We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Welcome back to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie, and please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. Also, check out buzzbeat.substack.com for information about BuzzBeat Plus, where you can get ad-free episodes, among other perks. On today's episode, I will be joined by Lee for this post-game recap between the Clippers and the Hornets. Hornets fell 119 to 117, a, a close game towards the end there, and the Hornets drop another one here at home. Lee, how's it going? It's great. It's great. Um, honestly, like a fun game, and I, I feel like I haven't been able to say that a ton this year. Um, I mean, obviously there were still there were still struggles. There were still you know some blown assignments. There were still some. Uh, you know, some, some tough plays late from the Hornets that, that kind of let the Clippers back into this game. I mean, the Hornets actually kind of controlled it for a lot of the second half, but I I guess I'll just end this little, uh, our little back and forth introduction by saying the young bench core was really fun to watch today. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, we can definitely get into those players uh, because, you know, for the most part, uh, even though the game did not end in a win, and I know that some fans are don't really care about the wins and losses right now, at least it was entertaining for portions of the game, especially in the second half. So we are going to keep this short and sweet and get into some of our instant reactions to this game against the Clippers. If you were a L.A. fan, uh, you guys got some good news as the status of Kawhi and PG changed from being up in the air before the game to being able to suit up and play. So going into the night, I thought this game would have like a very similar feel to the Bucks game uh, from Saturday, especially if those two didn't play because sure. it could have been another undermanned team 
that had a big body down low that eats up a lot of space in the paint and defends the basketball very well. Uh, very similar to what Brooke Lopez does for the Bucks. You've got Zubac, who doesn't allow a, a lot of clean looks at the rim, and his presence can be felt in a very similar way. So with Charlotte, a, a team that likes to get to the rim, it didn't feel like a combination that was going to end well. They were going to have to be competitive in ways that they're not normally uh, making shots. And I think that, you know, you're always going to miss LaMelo, DSJ, and Cody. But I felt like maybe Gordon's mid-range game would have been pretty useful in this game. But I, I wanted to start with P.J. Washington, mainly because yeah. he had a game against Milwaukee that he probably would like to forget about when he went 0-13. So you, you have that going against him, and he's also a player that doesn't start the games off too strong. He is typically a player that plays better in the fourth quarter, and he had a nice mixture of how he got his points. He had catch-and-shoot three-pointers. He had pull-up three-pointers. He had driving layups. He had off-the-dribble step-backs in the mid-range. He even had like a running bank shot late in the game. It's games like this, Lee, where you see the flashes of versatility on the offensive end, and you get a little bit like unreasonably optimistic about his future and his ceiling and, and what he can turn into. But when you just have those polar opposites of how he played against Milwaukee and how he played against the Clippers tonight – that's where the inconsistency comes in. But he does finish with 26 points, four rebounds, and four assists. So feel free, uh, Lee, to take this anywhere you want. But P.J. Washington uh, was one of the better players, if not the best player for the Hornets tonight. No, that's that's exactly right. I mean, one thing I tweeted about during the game was, you know, the P.J. Washington kind of off-the-dribble development and or adventure, kind of depending on how you want to look at it. It's... It's still very hit or miss uh, by my observations from a night to night basis. I mean, you kind of laid it out perfectly contrasting, you know, his performance against Milwaukee versus his performance tonight on, on net. Generally on net, I do think I still believe that PJ Washington has improved as a ball handler, as an isolation creator, and as like a, a create his own shot development arc I, I think on net he's still improved but just to reiterate like it's still just such a night tonight night tonight adventure you, there's not a ton of consistency there yet but nights like tonight like you said Richie night nights like tonight when PJ Washington you know he goes 11 for 21 from the floor four for four of 10 from three he, like you said he was just getting in a variety of ways he had a couple post-ups he had a couple uh, kind of isolation, like shake, dribble, pull up jumpers. Uh, obviously, he had the three going a little bit. He was also distributing some tonight, like beating his guy off the dribble, a couple little dump downs, you know, a kick out here or there. Like he just kind of had a complete offensive game. And this is why he, you know, minus all the guys that haven't played, like taking all the guys who haven't played out of the equation and just looking at this roster now. I do think he's probably our 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 best all-around player and certainly our best asset because of his age. Again, of the guys that are playing right now. So, awesome night from PJ. I'm glad you brought him up. I certainly wanted to talk about him tonight and and it was a great game for him. So, good to kind of get it out of the way early. Yeah, and let me um interject here about PJ and just in general and and we can have a conversation about this cuz I saw you tweeted about this towards the end of the game where uh, obviously Hornets Twitter are 
clamoring for anything other than just playing traditional centers to end the game. And PJ Washington, I don't know how many minutes, 25, 30 minutes, like in total this season that he's played at the five and all. I get real quick, but yeah. I think and I mentioned this on the solo pod against the Bucks, but when you have a player like Brooke Lopez, you have a player like Zubach where these centers just take away shots at the rim and they're just going to drop and they're going to basically say, hey, if you can make that mid-range shot, go for it. If you can try to attack me and uh, you know score over me, go for it. Uh, and then you have the combination of the Hornets just not being a good three-point shooting team right now. So driving and kicking, sure, that can help. But if you don't have shooters on that end, you wonder, first off, when Zubach is in the game, to draw him out. Like you play Nick Richards, you play Mason Plumley. That's not that's not doing it. Like he's not going to come out and respect that shot, even though Plumley did hit a left-handed uh, shot, <laughs> a mid-range shot in this game. PJ Washington would be a guy that could draw a Brook Lopez or or some kind of center like Zubach, where you know you're going to make him pay for dropping that low. And even when even when the Clippers went small, like they. But Batum at the five or Marcus Morris at the five, you can't have Nick Richards and Mason Plumley on the opposite end to where they're having to be that versatile big going through screens, switching, running out on closeouts. It's just not something that is going to be uh, successful on a consistent basis. And the funniest thing, I guess it's not funny, but you know, you're you're playing with a true five, and I, and I tweeted this to end yep. the game. The Hornets are up to one seventeen. 115 and the the Clippers tie the game on a second chance point. So the one advantage that you think you would have with the rebounding aspect, they don't get it and they tie the game up and Kawhi scores the final four points for the Clippers. And I think the tying basket really was like the, the killer there because they did get the stop, but they weren't able to get the rebound. So I don't know what it is that Clifford is waiting for in terms of playing PJ at the five, like, would it solve all the issues? No, but I, I think it's something that he just hasn't really even attempted to try. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. No, he hasn't. I mean, look, it's uh, it's 56 possessions all season. I mean, that's that's basically nothing. You know, uh, someone, you know, a listener on Twitter kind of mm-hmm. proposed proposed the theory that Clifford is 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 not like comfortable enough with the with the rotation around a PJ at the five lineup. And like I, I think that's like a fair point, but at the same time, like there are configurations that you could that you could uh that you could play with here with PJ at the five. Like you could close you could close games with PJ at the five. I think, you know, Spencer's theory that he's bandied about is also <laughs> interesting. Like it's it's almost Clifford's kind of like uh, covert way of, uh, of of leaning towards uh, losing <laughs> close games at the end. Um, because, I mean, you know, like this kind of, I mean, and look, I know there are some fans that won't want to hear this. And I wouldn't, I am not mad at any Charlotte Hornets fan that does not want to tank and that still holds some optimism in their heart that when this team gets healthy, there's still enough time left. You know, we're only what five and a half or six games out of eighth place. Like, uh, like I don't think that's a completely insane thing to say. And I know that some fans won't like this. Um, so I'm trying to like extend an olive branch there, but this kind of is the perfect loss, you know, for a team that, that is frankly in the top five pick sweepstakes right now. Um, you, you lose a super close competitive game, against a good Western Conference playoff team and all of the young guys that you played showed flashes and, sh- and and contributed. So it's like it's the it's the double doozy of young guys contributing, not getting blown out and losing a super cl- close game for the bigger picture. So and and again, I know some fans won't like that, but that's just kind of how I feel at the moment. Yeah, and and not to bag too hard on on Richards and Plumley just not being an answer, but you know I think Clifford has got to try PJ at the five, and you know and Plumley is, is an interesting player because I mentioned his left handed shot, and that's I mean I got to give him credit because as a right handed player you naturally put your right foot in front of your left foot when you're driving the ball or when you're dribbling, but to have to switch that to your left foot being in front of your right foot to now switch and shoot with your left hand. I, I do think that's kind of impressive. I mean, I, I guess shooting 36% from the free throw line with your right hand is, is probably not impressive, but the fact that he's able to kind of change that up, but yeah, at some point, maybe, maybe you're showcasing Mason, maybe you're showcasing Kelly Oubre too, to your point. Oh, yeah. That's the another perfect, fair theory. <laughs> yeah. It's the perfect combination. It's, it's a watchable game. It's a competitive game. It's a fun game during 
certain spurts, but they still lose the game and approach the tankathon numbers a little bit better in that in that respect. I don't know where else you want to go with this. So we can talk about the young guys because you've you've mentioned them a couple of times. I, I think I think my favorite duo right now is Bryce McGowan's and Kai Jones. Like just when they're out on the court together. Not that they're like, you know, putting up these crazy numbers, but between both of them tonight, they had eight points together. So it's not nothing, you know, it's nothing crazy here. But Bryce McGowan's is a guy, and we've talked about this too with the Summer League pods. Like he is just assertive. And he knows what he wants to do. He gets to the basket. He drives to the basket. He's not second-guessing himself. And I think one of the better plays tonight actually wasn't with the ball in his hands at all. It was on, I think it was in the second quarter where his guy, it might have been Kawhi. It might have been Kawhi. They just kind of, or maybe it's PG. One of the two lost him. And he just basket cuts uh, for uh, for a layup uh, in the first half. And so just stuff like that, like heady plays that you're seeing out of Bryce McGowan's and just him fearlessly attacking the rim and then you got kai jones who's just all over the place running like a madman trying to crash the offensive glass like you mentioned this on a previous episode like he's out there trying to compete trying to make the most of his opportunity and it's just a fun watch and three times (laughs) three times in the season he has hit a like hanging mid-range shot and yeah. you can find all three on my Twitter versus Minnesota versus Philadelphia. And then tonight against the Clippers, it is not anything that I thought that he would have in his game at this point in his season. And he doesn't really have a shot, but he has hit three of those shots, which to me have just been the most surprising things. But those two players, McGowan's and Kai Jones, when I see them on the court together, at the very least, you're going to get energy. That's right. You know, the the Kai Jones, uh, you know, the the fadeaway leaner, whatever you want to call it, that that you've been doing a great job of clipping whenever it shows its face. Uh, tonight, it was after doing a double crossover move and then spin move. So, like, he attacked from the top of the key, crossed one way, crossed the other, spun back towards the lane, and then hit that leaner. I mean, it certainly looked you know, a little goofy and a little uncoordinated, but he did pull off like essentially a downhill isolation dribble attack move into a score. I think it was on Terrence, man. And yeah, I mean, look, like Clifford didn't really have any other choice tonight, but you know, it was Kai Jones. And I tweeted about this too. It's like this team's so strange because, you know, Ball, Martin, Hayward, Dennis Smith Jr. They've missed tons and tons of games, all of them. And obviously Bridges, you know, isn't even with the team and we have no idea what his future is going to be. And still somehow, oh, and and by the way, Mark Williams is in Greensboro and still somehow, oh, and by the way, Book Knight is just like out of the rotation and still somehow, some way, this team has like an interesting, fun, energetic young core when you throw out McGowan's, Maladone, Richards, Kai Jones, and even McDaniels, who's still a young player. So that's the bright side. That's the optimistic side, I think, is that this team has a bunch of young, kind of toolsy, um, interesting wings and and bigs. Uh, and even Maladone, who, you know, combo guard, point guard, however you want to kind of kind of um classify him, like they're all interesting in certain ways. Kai not only that little kind of like isolation dribble move to the fadeaway he pulled today, he also had a he also had a, a play, I believe it was in the second half, and I believe it, it was off a defensive rebound where he pushed in the open floor, 
off the dribble himself and made a nice little like feed pass to a streaking uh, teammate that that laid the ball in. So like I've uh, you know I've alluded to some of these kind of like dribble playmaking um, skillful things that Kai Jones flashed in his college days and the flashes are more limited because he's being asked to play a more limited role in the NBA as he should be. But there still are those moments of like, yes, the energy is incredible. The athleticism, the length, the offensive rebounding, all that is where he's going to, you know, butter his bread, so to speak. But he does have some uncovered skill game that I think we'll start to see a little bit more of here and there, you know, of all these guys, you could probably argue me either way between McGowan's and Kai Jones, but like, I think Kai Jones actually might he like we might actually have something here, and that's that's really interesting and fun. Um, so so I agree, Richie. Like I think those are the two main guys to talk about. McGowan's and Richie was, I mean, was Book Knight available tonight? Could he have played? Was did he, he was have available? He was available. He had a you know DNP CD, so he was the only available player that did not play. Um, yeah. So I mean, essentially, what that tells you, and it's kind of been slowly moving this way, but it. You know, at least for the moment. I, I mean, I don't think Book Knight will necessarily be be buried for the rest of the year. Um, but at least for the moment, it tells you that uh, Maladone and McGowan's are both ahead of them in the rotation. And you know, unfortunately, because of the draft capital the Hornets expended on on, on Book Knight, that unfortunately that is the right decision right now. Like they're just more effective players. Mm-hmm. And and Teo didn't necessarily have like an awesome game. No. Tonight. But he had this one sequence that was just crazy where he had the block on Terrence yep. Mann and then he gets the steal and then he drives coast to coast for the layup. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be playing over book night. And to your previous point about Kai, like I was actually pretty low on Kai coming out of summer league and heading into the season. And I, you know, was like selling stock on Kai. Not, not that I think that he's like fully turned the corner, but I, I think right now, if you were to ask me like, Whose stock are you buying, Kai Jones or James Booknight? I don't think there's much of a question right, uh, right now who you would want to buy, and I think that's Kai Jones. The The only other player that I want to mention tonight is uh, Terry Rozier. He was probably the most influential player when it comes to kind of turning the tide for this team in the third quarter, especially where he had 13 points, which I believe was a, uh, a high in a quarter for any Charlotte Hornets player this season, scoring 13. And he also scored in a variety of ways. He had a one-legged bank shot as well, like PJ, and and you know just getting shots any way that he can. And I want to get your thoughts on this before we wrap, but in terms of his like role this year, in terms where he is playing mostly at the point guard position because of the injuries to LaMelo Ball and obviously Dennis Smith Jr. as well. Do you think that, you know, him playing with the ball in his hands and giving the ball up immediately, you know, and kind of getting him in that off ball position, I personally don't feel that that's the same thing as him just playing off ball where he doesn't have to bring the ball up the court. So I I do think LaMelo ball is going to help this team tremendously when it comes to a lot of different things. But I think he's going to help Terry Rozier in terms of his three point shooting where Rozier has kind of been up and down uh, and in terms of like creating that gravity for himself because he's been asked to bring the ball up the court and it's very hard to kind of get that that ball rolling and, and the the 
you know, the head of steam going when it he comes off those screens and stuff like that. You're just not seeing a lot of those actions run for him in the in the normal traditional sense that you're seeing Rozier because the Hornets are a team that one doesn't like to shoot a lot of threes and two when they do shoot them they don't make a lot of them. Um, tonight they did a, a little bit better than they did uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks shooting 12 of 34. But I think this team really needs some gravity from players like Terry Rozier. But I think when you use them as a point guard, you're just really not getting that same effect. But I, I do want to applaud him for you know scoring in ways that are just a little bit different for him. And he was the one that gave the two-point lead late in the game with that baseline jumper. But obviously, uh, Kawhi scored the final four points. No, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's perfectly diagnosed. Like Rozier at the point guard rotation net rating was actually decent last year, but I, I believe that it was decent because it was limited, because it was it was more spotty. When you when you heap a ton more volume on him as a primary playmaker, I just don't think it it's sustainable. Um like like from a rotation, you know, standpoint. Um, and yeah, obviously like you can go all the way back to Terry Rozier arriving in Charlotte, you know, the, the sign, the, the sign and trade for Kimba Walker, where he is kind of, um, you know, looked at as coming in as replacing Kimba Walker in the lineup at point guard. Little did we know Devonte Graham was going to emerge as, as like a real rotation NBA point guard and Rozier slid off the ball where he exists as his best self. So he's had Devontae Graham and he's had LaMelo Ball during his time in Charlotte. And it's well documented that he's become had become one of the best off-ball catch-and-shoot three-point shooters on planet Earth, frankly. Um, career years every year in Charlotte until this year from a shooting efficiency standpoint. Uh, you know, I think it literally is as, as, as simple as two plus two equals four. Like, Terry Rozier cannot exist as his best self right now because he does have to shoulder playmaking load and that's going to absolutely crater his efficiency. And that's what's happening. And like, I think the injuries play a small part. Like he's been a little banged up here or there. So he hasn't quite been himself. And if you remember last year, he actually started really slow from a shooting standpoint last year, you know, maybe a month or two into the season. And I remember us all kind of being like, yeah, he'll probably go like, he'll have a six week stretch where he shoots like, 60% 60% from three and, and, and sure enough, his numbers ended up being right there last year from the previous year. So I, I completely, totally agree. And I think it's well diagnosed that like if, and when they can get LaMelo back healthy, you will all of a sudden see better shooting numbers from Rozier. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on this game or this team at this point in the, in the standings? Um, I know that, uh, yeah, I'm just looking take, taking a look at Tankathon right now and they are seven and 17 and they are, you know the same the same amount of losses as Houston, but uh, one more win. But Houston is actually, as we speak, up by one against the 76ers. So if uh, the Rockets do win tonight, they will be uh, tied for Charlotte for the fourth best odds uh, in terms of that that Wimby sweepstakes. So yeah, well, and the uh, the Spurs have entered the chat too. By the way, you know they started off like I think I don't know six and four or something, and then they lost like ten straight at one point. So. I think in, it was an earlier pod where I was like, yeah, I think only like Detroit and Houston can really out tank Charlotte if, if, if they, if they really want to try. And, and I, I think that I, I think I left out San Antonio because they had had that hot start, but they are like clearly one of, if not the worst rosters in the league. So they, the, the Spurs are, are fully involved at this point. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap here. I think we did a good job of uh, quickly getting to all the talking points from this game. Uh, the Hornets did have a great third quarter, outscoring the Clippers 36-21, to 21, uh, but the Clippers kind of reversed that in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Hornets 35-27. to 27. Uh, We did avoid overtime, which Lee and I were kind of uh, – secretly praying praying for here so we didn't have to wait a little bit longer to pod after this game so we appreciate you guys tuning in to another buzz beat uh for lee i am richie we will talk to you guys later go hornets